Hey guys, Dane here with the Darkroom Podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. In today's episode, I chat with CEO and founder of Raw Artists, Heidi Luera. Raw Artist is the largest indie arts organization in the world. For the last 10 years, Raw has brought the creative community together by organizing showcases in over 70 cities, helping 200,000 artists in fashion, music, and the visual arts to gain exposure. We get to hear how Heidi thinks through her creative process and how she has built a team to support a global network of showcases thrown every single week. Heidi is coming off her first book, The Work of Art, A No-Nonsense Field Guide for Creating Entrepreneurs, where she highlights what it takes for an artist to turn their creative work into a thriving business. And man, that is the uh, the hot topic of conversation these days. And she really, really knows what it takes to get yourself in line to succeed doing, you know, well, hopefully what you love, but doing what you love creatively. Uh, so yeah, had a really, really great time chatting with her, listening to her ideas, uh, hearing about the book, hearing about Raw, hearing about all these events, how it started. And yeah, lots of really good stuff in here. So I, uh, I really hope you guys enjoy this one. So without further ado, here is a conversation with Heidi Luera. Welcome to the Darkroom Podcast, where you'll get to hear from the best full-time creators on the planet. From starting out to where they are now and everywhere in between. Welcome to the Darkroom. Heidi Luera, (laughs) thank you so much for hanging out with me. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. I feel like as a creative, um, for most of my life, I constantly have felt like I am creating on an island Mm -hmm. and other creators are on their different islands and mm-hmm. I'm always waving to them and they're waving back. Sure. But I haven't been able to figure out like a way to all jump on the same island together <laughs> and do like all of our different things at once together in like right. one place. And this is like a roundabout uh, way to kind of talk about what you do and what you started and what you've done with Raw. Mm-hmm. Um, but can you kind of let us know from like the person who created it, <laughs> who will do it fully justice, like what Raw really I know. is? It's hard to, to describe sometimes. Um, yeah, so Raw is an independent international arts organization. And what we do is our mission is to provide tools, resources, education, and exposure for Artists that are typically within their first 10 years of their career, we don't discriminate if they've been doing this for longer, but Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of how we started out. And the whole mission behind it is really driven between collaboration and crowdfunding and making sure that, like you were saying, rather than being on your own island alone, (laughs) we join forces and there's power in numbers and Mm -hmm. stronger together than we are apart. Yeah. And you have been a creative your whole life. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, technically. Yeah. Well, so you, like, you fixed something that I feel like you probably saw as a problem in the industry, right? You wanted to bring people together in a way that wasn't really done. Yeah. When I, so my first love was fashion. I, Mm -hmm. you know, I painted and drew and did all those things that, you know, kids do. Art class was always my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but fashion, since I was about seven, I wanted to be a fashion designer and I used to throw 
fashion shows in my living room with my karaoke machine, <laughs> my sister's karaoke machine, technically. Yeah. Um, but I would like dress my brothers up and oh, my no. sister and parade them through. Yeah. The I've living been that room. brother before. So I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. You must be a younger one. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah I'm the oldest of four. So oh, they wow. pretty much did whatever yeah. I told them to do. <laughs> Leadership skills. <right? laughs> um, but yeah, I, I started with this like immense love for fashion. I always knew that's what I wanted to do since I was young, mm-hmm. obviously. And so I used to draw dresses and, you know, my big plan was as soon as I turned 18, I was moving to LA to become mm-hmm. a fashion designer. Yeah. I did that. Yes. I started my own clothing line, which wasn't necessarily formal wear, mm-hmm. which was my like ultimate passion. But right. I started my own clothing line called Everywhere Clothing, mm-hmm. which was this interesting innovation I will call it with interchangeable trims you can read more about that (laughs) um but I started trying to market myself in the industry any way that I could Mm -hmm. and I'm from a small town in northern California so I know I knew no one Mm -hmm. when I moved here right um so when I thought long and hard about it and tried to do some research like yahoo.com was Mm -hmm. like the most you know, yeah. <laughs> at that point, that's like yeah. where you would go and find it. And when you search something, who knows what would come up? Like it yeah. was the weirdest it search was a engine experience time. in the very beginning. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's like, okay, 2004, 2005, 2003 ish right? is when I moved to LA. Okay. And then 2004, I started my clothing line. And 2005, mm-hmm. I decided I'm taking matters into my own hands because I couldn't find anything. I was actually popping up at like swap meets and okay, wow. basically anywhere that would like give me a space to yeah. showcase. Like my the line. early pop up shop. Yeah, days. yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was doing it kind of like that was not my demographic. I probably shouldn't have been <laughs> popping up at swap meets, but it was a yeah. really good lesson. Yeah, you probably met some interesting people. I did. I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but after a while, I got really sick of, you know, weekends waking up at like 3 a.m. to yeah. pack my car to, you yeah. know, go set up shops. So I was like, there's got to be a better way. I had friends also that mm-hmm. were amazing painters and incredible musicians. And I was like, they all kind of shared my same sentiment. Like, there's no place, like, that's approachable for emerging artists. Yeah. Like, we're not ready for, like, all the big-time stuff yet, but mm-hmm. there's... But there's got to be like some type of bridge, you yeah. know? And so I threw my own showcase in 2005. That was for fashion, music, and art. It was literally just me and my friends. Yeah. <laughs> but well, I know you're going to go into it, but like, yeah. I really want to talk about like how how do you just do that, right? Like, how do you do that from scratch? <laughs> I know, I'm sorry to cut you off, but no, like, no, no. You know, like, how do, you, how do you go from, you know, and I mean, this is like the question too for like anything creative that, becomes big is like, where do you start? Yeah. You know, like how did you guys sit around and like, what, what kind of things did you do to be like, okay, like we need to do this. It's, we got to do like A, B, C, and D. Like what mm-hmm. were those things? And like, how did you guys, you know, execute? Honestly, it'd be like, I don't know. It was like pure being naive and young and mm-hmm. thinking and like having the audacity to do it. I think that was like the step one, right? Yeah, it's that's like, always step I think one. I can do this. Yeah. Uh, until you know what you're actually like getting into. For sure, yeah. Um, but I partnered with some people that I met. Mm-hmm. Um, that's in my book that we're going to talk about later. Yes. <laughs> that whole story. Yeah. Um, but, 
Yeah, I basically we got a venue and then mm-hmm. it was kind of over from there. I directed it and had my line in it mm-hmm. um, as well as other clothing lines that I had met in the creative community. So it was just a fashion, music and art show and about 750 people showed up That's and I had un- zero real. idea what That's I was doing. Unreal. I feel like, okay, usually first time events, oh, I would yeah. say 20 to 30 people show up. <laughs> And that's even like, let's say a band or the, yeah, like an event or a pop-up shop, like a pop-up shop. Like if you can get 20 to 30 people, like yeah. that's good. Yeah. You got 700 people. <laughs> and that was kind of pre, pre-Facebook. That was That was like MySpace That days. was MySpace. But it was yeah. like, I don't even think people were like promoting those things. I like, I had printed flyers. Oh <laughs> like yeah. That's, they were that's hanging on the street next to like missing oh, cat yeah. signs. Like I, yeah. I don't even remember what we did to promote. Like it was so long ago. No but way. Yeah. It, I think the main thing was that everyone had skin in the game. We all mm-hmm. pitched in a little bit of money to like make sure that the event could happen. And right. so we were, we all bought into the success of, you know, making sure that there were people there and that it was beneficial. Yeah. Um, so the plan was just to have one, mm-hmm. like I was, I just thought this was like a marketing vehicle for myself and my friends and there wasn't really going to be much else to it. Right. And then after the show, people came to me in like droves and they were like, I have a clothing line. I have painting. Mm-hmm. Hey, my brother wants to be a part of this. And I was like, what? Yeah. What, like you, there's going to, what you guys want there to be? <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay. So. Um, I ended up doing a second show. I didn't show my line in that one. It was mm-hmm. much less stressful. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, because um, they didn't have to run back to yeah, you know, do that. It's yeah. like Mrs. Doubtfire. Remember that scene <laughs> where like he she has to keep on going, like changing uh, the outfits. Yes. So like now it's just one dedicated task, and, like making right. sure that the show right. goes down. Like and it's I really, to. yeah, exactly. And I really felt like I found my calling to a certain extent because I was I was so desperate for that opportunity mm-hmm. and. Apparently, a ton of other people were too. Right. And though I didn't know that going into it, um, I really I felt like this kind of resonating passion to help yeah. and to create that platform. And then I kind of had all these ideas that kept multiplying. That I was like, "Well, I can also do this, and I can host workshops for these people." Because I was working in the fashion industry at the time too. Yeah, I was really lucky. I got like an awesome opportunity, and so I was learning all these things. I was going to fashion school, mm-hmm. and I was able to kind of provide this information that I probably shouldn't have even had at a young age to emerging fashion designers and kind of artists in the, in a different way as well. Mm -hmm. So all of that kind of, I was just like, I think I know how to do this. Like, I think I know what would be beneficial as being a person who struggled throughout myself. So that's kind of the, the story of how that started. That was a different showcase. I ran that for three years and then had a partnership split Mm -hmm. Um, went into the corporate world for a minute and then decided I hate that. <laughs> yeah, well, so you went you went from running events for three years, splitting up with a partner, and then yes. jump, well, what job did you jump into? Um, well, at first I did some freelance work. So yeah. I learned a lot about that too, which most artists are freelancers. Mm-hmm. So um, I have a lot of advice in things that I did the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and got, you know, smacked in the face with. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did freelance for a bit and then I, I reluctantly went into the corporate world. But yeah. it, that was also a great experience and mm-hmm. I learned a ton. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, like I wanted to just do what I you know, felt that passion for, and that was creating a platform for independent artists. Yeah. Because I felt like I had the vision and I saw what needed to be done. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, I started Raw in 2009, and uh, it was just in downtown LA, and mm-hmm. I had every intention because I'd kind of done this in one capacity before mm-hmm. to, um, I, my goal was I wanted to see raw in as many cities in the United States as possible mm-hmm. because I wanted to create a national network for artists to tour to different locations to, you know, and just for my own curiosity, I wanted to see like what the art was like in Chicago yeah, or Brooklyn, sure. you know? Yeah. Um, so I was able to kind of accelerate the growth, I think a little bit faster cause I already kind of knew like the ins and outs. I didn't have to make the same mistakes twice. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that's kind of the history of Raw. So now Raw has yeah. been around for a decade as of this past March. Yeah. And, and you have a team of 65 people plus. Yes. That's insane. <laughs> that's so cool. So like, yeah. can you, um, can you kind of talk about, you know, building from, you know, a few people helping you to, to 65, like, you know, yeah. what, what has the trajectory look like and like what has adding more people been able to do for raw? Yeah. When we started, we, it was my partner, Matthew Clayhorse. He came on board after the first showcase. Mm-hmm. Um, he is our web developer extraordinaire, our CTO of the company. And he's just brilliant. He's been able to, um, kind of scale with technology, things that I couldn't do. I'm mm-hmm. like the people, events, production, you know, creative person. And yeah, he yeah. was like the, I know how to take this and make it code right. <laughs> to yeah. make this be less of a hassle. Uh-huh. Um, so it started with me and him and literally like working in his garage. Oh, and wow. then we, we kind of just like took these little incremental steps. We got a sublet office, we mm-hmm. got an intern, and then that she became our number three. Um, her name's VFOM. We love her very much. Nice. <laughs> we miss her. She doesn't work for Raw anymore. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. We're best friends. <laughs> um, but she worked with us for the first six years. Uh-huh. And so, and she was an incremental part of, you know, us moving forward as well. She was really great with marketing and branding. And then from there, we decided we were going to launch to all these different cities. And so we hired uh, independent contractors Mm -hmm. in each of our cities and learned a lot through that process too. It's really hard to manage your brand and your customer service and make sure that people are following through with the mission when Mm -hmm. they're so far away from you. Yeah, Even in like today's world of telecommuting and all of that, it is uh, pretty difficult. So in 2013, 14, um, we started moving all of our independent contractors in-house. Okay. So, and it, that's been wonderful. Yeah. Um, and we've continued to grow the team. We grew, you know, a marketing team. We have um, human resources now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have all these different things that come with kind of, you know, building a business. So, yeah, yeah we have a curation department that, solely focuses on looking at artists that uh, submit their work or scouting artists out that might be a good fit for the showcases. And then we have our booking department that kind of explains everything to everyone. Um, and then we have our showcase directors, which actually fly out now from these locations in, or to all of these locations in the United States that oversee the showcase. Yeah. And, and so sure. when, when you guys are um, scouting for talent, I feel like that's mm-hmm. obviously like the biggest aspect of this, right? To get sure. the right talent in the right places. Mm-hmm. Like, have there been any like 
ups and downs in that process? Like, do you guys have to weed through, you know, like hundreds and maybe even thousands of applications, watch yeah. videos? Mm-hmm. Like, what what goes into, you know, finding talent that can specifically, like, really bring something to that event? Yeah, absolutely. We do all of what you just named. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it's, I think that the that a raw artist is someone who is hungry for an opportunity, mm-hmm. who is a creative entrepreneur to a certain extent yeah. because they understand that it takes investment to showcase your work mm-hmm. and your brand. Um, and so we kind of look for someone who is serious about kind of taking the leap to invest in something, right, you know, for, for themselves sure. and for their art. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously they have to be talented. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have to believe in what they're showing. They don't have to have it all together, yeah. you know? Yeah. And that's kind of what we're here for too, is we're a stepping stone. Our showcase directors, they're not only, they don't just produce an event, they walk the artist through the entire process. And mm-hmm. we have marketing tools and tips and promotional tips and how to, properly set up your booth and light your booth or you know make sure that you're saying your band name at least three times while you're on stage so you can make the most of this opportunity because our showcases have anywhere from 800 to a thousand attendees so Mm -hmm. this is it's a big opportunity for a lot of artists where they wouldn't really normally get in front of those people right um you know if they were to have their own show Mm-hmm. You know, I know bands that play, like you were saying, for the same, like, 20 people every time. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so our process is definitely, you know, we're looking for that person who understands, mm-hmm. you know, the mission and who understands that this is a great opportunity, but it's going to take some sweat, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, to, for sure. to make it successful. Do you find that more more often people that are coming into these events are people that are not necessarily just starting out, but but in the beginning stages of what they're doing or their craft? Or do you find that a lot of people that are coming in are like true professionals, have been doing this for maybe a decade, like really have honed their craft and now they want to show it even more? Like what, what kinds of artists yeah, do you get? It's, it runs the gamut, yeah. Hon- obvious, honestly. <laughs> yeah. um, we survey all of our artists and all mm-hmm. of our attendees mm-hmm. after every showcase and so we asked them that question, like, how many times have you shown? Is this mm-hmm. is this the first time you've ever showcased your work? Right. Is this the first time you've ever performed? Is this the first time you've ever had a fashion show? <clears throat> and the majority of the people that we showcase are anywhere from two to three shows in. Mm-hmm. There are definitely a ton of people that do their very first showcase with Raw. Yeah. Um, which was, you know, my hope starting this, you yeah, know? <laughs> like, sure. just like I was. I was like, I want to market myself directly to consumers like how do I do that yeah um so the and there wasn't this didn't exist before Mm -hmm. so having people come and do their first showcase with us is like such a huge honor yeah that's how I feel personally Mm -hmm. about it because it just like makes me think back to my creative journey when I was starting out yeah I wish rocks. Yeah. Yeah. So like for, for you personally, like as a, a, a freelancer and the freelancer that you were as mm-hmm. well, and like coming from a freelancer in myself, like I still deal with so many issues and things. Oh, and like, no. especially like when it comes to like running the business side mm-hmm. of being a creative, like for me, that's really, really hard. Yeah. Um, and I'm constantly trying to figure out ways to to make that business side like be just as solid as my creative side. Right. Like what, what other things, like whether it's like that type of conversation or, or, or thing when it comes to, you know, this split that you kind of had to figure out for yourself. Like what other things as a freelancer, like did you either learn the hard way or did you have to, you know, kind of 
do on a consistent basis to make it work? Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs> um, I think when I started out in my career, I did not give an F yeah. about money or yeah. businesses or paperwork or yeah. like contract stuff. I was like, eh, whatever, yeah. that's yeah. all boring. Yeah, I'm Don't want to deal with it. <laughs> I'm going to stay creative. Right. The hard truth is you're absolutely right. So many artists struggle with that and uh -huh. so many creative people struggle with that. And you absolutely have to sharpen that skill if you're mm -hmm. gonna like sustain long term. Yeah. You have to. You can, of course, you can like hire people to do this for you. But you know, when you're freelancing, the budget is most likely not there to have all these business partners that are handling that for you. Yeah. Even if they are handling that for you, you should still know what you're looking at, what the validity is, what mm -hmm. what makes this. Um, you know, legitimate uh, thing that they're telling you, yeah. right? If somebody else is reporting your numbers to you or something like that. So yeah. I would love to see, like, I learned all of that the hard way. Yeah, which is the best <laughs> way to learn it. So. But yeah, yeah, I got a book out of it. So yeah. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, I think everyone kind of learns those lessons the hard way for the most part. They mm -hmm. don't have to, um, but... I would say that is like the number one thing. And we're super lucky, like living in 2019 mm -hmm. in a first world country, you know, mm -hmm. where we have this information at our fingertips. Like yeah. anything that you want to Google, anything you have a question about, you can learn about yeah. from YouTube, from General Assembly, from Google, from whatever. You yeah. know, there's so much option for self education. And I think that's like the number one mistake I see a lot of artists make mm -hmm. is they think they can just kind of stay in their creative lane, but you really can't. Mm -hmm. If you, you got to at least dedicate, I would like to say, 50% of your brain to yeah. do that stuff, you know, and you have to really like sharpen your skills and strengthen those weaknesses mm -hmm. in order to become a more well rounded creative. Yeah. Um, um, and I think that helps like sustain your career overall is when you when you have those skills. Yeah, for sure. And, and speaking of your your freelance bone, um, mm -hmm. you've been putting it to work a lot recently for this book. Yeah, yeah. For <laughs> we talked about before, but for a couple years you've been writing this book. Yeah. But for like probably over a decade you've been thinking about this. Oh yeah. And like it, it's finally <laughs> coming on a paper. Um, please tell us all about it. Um, so it's called The Work of Art. It's a no-nonsense no field guide for creative entrepreneurs written by, in parentheses, written by a creative entrepreneur yes. who has endured her share of nonsense. Awesome. <laughs> um, it is, the book is exactly what the subtitle says. It yeah. is a re, it's a creative um, field guide essentially for the business side of your work you yeah. know it doesn't tell you how to be a famous artist or you know that you're going to be it doesn't explain to you how to be creative you already are right. creative yeah, yeah i'm yeah. giving you from my personal experience some things that i've gone through mm -hmm. um so i'm talking about my personal story possibly oversharing some embarrassing stuff yeah that's um great. but i have lessons that i've learned throughout the entire way. Yeah. I also have step-by-step -step guides and things that I recommend you avoid. And then I am also introducing uh, 15 different creative entrepreneurs throughout the book um, that I've personally worked with that are successful in their own right. Yeah. And kind of, you know, the reader has an opportunity to learn about their stories as well. Mm -hmm. um, so 
That's kind of it in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm covering everything from marketing to your personal brand to mental health Mm -hmm. um, to how to deal when you get to like your more, you know, upper levels of success because Mm -hmm. that comes with a new set of challenges. Yeah. so the book kind of takes you through every step of the process and things that you should be thinking about as a creative if you want to make this, you know, into a business, yeah. a thriving business. Yeah. And you can learn the hard way yourself or you can read this and avoid a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. What sparked the inspiration for the book? Has it been something you've always wanted to do and you just finally figured out exactly what to write about? Or You know, it's funny. When I was in third grade, I wanted to be a writer. Mm-hmm. So that was like the first job that I can remember ever wanting to have. Yeah. Um, and so I used to write a ton when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as you get older, you go for more practical career paths. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, and so I went the fashion industry route and whatever. Mm-hmm. I always liked to write. Yeah. And people told me, you know, I was good at it. I but I didn't go to school for it. I'm not classically trained. Like there's none mm-hmm. of that. Um so I I think I've always wanted to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was really the fact that Raw was coming up on its ten years and I was like, you know what? I have so much to say. Yeah. And all these books that I read for artists or creatives are so like whimsical and it's you know, yeah, I don't know. Sure. I'm not trying to like talk can I cuss you, on here? Yeah, you can say whatever the hell you want. Yeah. I'm not trying to talk shit. You wanted to create a book that was real yes. and got to like real conversations. It wasn't just all like, hey, you know, do what you love and it'll all work out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. I'm so sick of that. Like yeah. someone needs to tell everyone the truth. Yeah, I <laughs> And if I have to sacrifice myself and these like pretty embarrassing stories and I'm yeah. going to do that because I feel like I wish much like raw I wish I had this mm-hmm. when I was young you yeah. know and when I was just starting out I wish I had that yeah and everyone struggles which is what you get to talk about yourself right. and like if creatives or you know anybody in this field are acting like everything is all like rosy which they, a lot of them do actually on Instagram sure. oh, you know, yeah. they all act like it's okay filtered life but there's so many things happening and like mental health is a huge one as well and there's just so many things as a creative especially that that we don't really talk about because we want to portray ourselves the best way possible yeah and a lot of times we we let just the work speak for ourselves but Mm -hmm. there's a whole human beside like behind this yeah you know so like it's really important to like be raw and to like be real yeah and I think it's awesome that like you've been able to you know capture that in this book but also it sounds like with these 15 people as well yeah like has there been any any parallels between these creatives that you've talked to for the oh, book yes. that like you you found that either you know this is the reason why they're all either successful or they're all you know, figuring out just how to make it work, which is also a huge part, you know? Yeah. I mean, every journey is different, but I'll say there's definitely some common threads, you know, between my personal story and theirs. Mm -hmm. I saw almost in every single one of them, there was a period of time where they didn't do anything else but create. Yeah. Uh, There's a period of time that they sacrificed. Mm -hmm. There's a period of time that they like had the worst heartbreaking situations where they were just down on their luck in every facet. Yeah. And then they came back. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say those are like the number one things. Yeah. But um, yeah, I feel like every, the more that I spoke with everyone, 
because I had already written the book by the time I interviewed these artists. It was my last portion, okay. you know, to insert them, mm-hmm. their stories in there. And as I was interviewing each of them, I was just like more reminded and more empowered mm-hmm. that like this was really good yeah. that we were putting this out there in yeah, the world because sure. they just kind of reinvigorated with me with like, they are saying something that I have an entire chapter on yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, in the yeah. book. So yeah, they're, it's, it's really interesting. I think um, everyone's journey is, you know, different. And I think in this Instagram world, we, we have trouble, you know, comparing ourselves to others because mm-hmm. everything, like you said, looks so rosy. Yeah. Um, but that's really not the truth. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> there's so much stuff. I mean, yeah, they're good days. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's good weeks, there's good years, but ultimately it's a lot of hard work and that's that's really what it comes down to yeah that's the message of my entire life. yeah what kind of things Spoiler. do you <laughs> what kind of things do you do um either on a daily basis or a regular basis to like stay positive and to like keep a good mindset you yeah. know like through all these ebbs and flows because mm-hmm. there's inevitably going to be so many but i i appreciate the ebbs and flows and yeah. and the ebbs like you know when you're in them they suck, mm-hmm. but when you get out, like there's, you know, there's going to be no, you know, like positivity without that negative sure. as well being thrown in. Like if it's all positive, like you're weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> if it's all just up here, like we yeah. talked about, like, like something is off. Yeah. So like what, what have you done or like what do you continue to do to stay, you mm-hmm. know, at least at this like heightened level of like appreciation? Yeah. I think. I'm glad you brought up appreciation. I think being grateful is like the number one thing, even yeah. when you're in a spot. And I know that sounds like frilly and fruity, but it's mm-hmm. it really true. Like yeah. even when you're in a spot where you're like having the worst day mm-hmm. and all the things are going wrong, um, I think it's important to kind of come back to your center and be like, what is going right? Mm-hmm. And like, let me be grateful for that really quick. For and sure. like give yourself 24 hours for a pity party, mm-hmm. but like don't stay in that mindset. Yeah. Like if I have a breakdown, <laughs> some days it happens, it's rare, but it happens. Yeah. Like I allow myself to feel those feelings, mm-hmm. but try and remain grateful. Also like on a daily basis, the first thing I do when I wake up in the morning, 10 minutes Five minutes if I'm in a rush, I take a moment and like set my intentions for the day and just kind of do a little meditation. Cool. That's my way of like making sure that I'm staying grounded and not getting weighed down by the minutia of life, you know? Um, So that's my own kind of spiritual practice. And then once a year, what I do is I'll go to a park or a quiet place or whatever, Mm -hmm. and I will write down all of my goals, values, vision, standards for the following year. So I do that typically in October for the next year. Yeah. And then I kind of revisit those throughout the year because they change mm-hmm. and they'll they'll evolve and do different things and just kind of make sure that I'm sticking to my why of mm-hmm. like, why am I doing this? Yeah. What is my intention behind doing this? Yeah. And I want this to be important and I want this to, or this is important to me because why, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. So I kind of try and come back to that on a regular basis too. And mm-hmm. I look at that list of things that I made. They could be goals or it could be just, you know, it could, personal uh, fitness, spiritual goals, or like, you know, my business goals overall. Yeah. Um, so I do that, I would say, on a regular, and that kind of helps 
bring it back to. It's like, yeah. well, this is hard, but yeah, I'm doing this for this reason. Like, don't forget why mm-hmm. you're why you started in the first place. Yeah, it's you tough, know? especially when you when you turn your creative passion into a living. Mm-hmm. You know, like in the beginning, it's awesome, and then it gets scary. And then mm-hmm. there becomes a time when, like, you kind of start going through the motions of it. Yeah. Even if it's, like, you know, highly creative, like if you're painting or doing something like that. And then when you start doing that, you kind of look back, like, wait a minute, like, let me find, like, where this all came from in the beginning. Right. Because the business side of things has, have been, like, making me feel like it's a job. Right. So it's important to, to you know, remember that, you know, setting goals, maybe even like do have to do with like other things. It's not just yeah, like your totally. creativity or like, you know, things that you want to hit or milestones. It doesn't all have to be in that realm of like what you do, but, but having like either like other hobbies or things like that too have helped me yeah. at least to be able to like kind of like let my mind rest for a second and then I can come back to what, mm-hmm. you know, I'm doing and like it feels kind of fresh yeah absolutely you know absolutely I think that's kind of the you know keystone too of a of an entrepreneur Mm -hmm. you know like we need to focus our attention on lots of different things (laughs) to keep it fresh and to keep it you know interesting yeah yeah so I get it you know when you when you get to a certain level in your creative business, it starts to feel like Groundhog Day, mm-hmm. you know, maintaining it. It's like, okay, sure. get up, do this, go to the office, do this, yeah. do this, yeah. do this. It takes all of that to maintain it. Mm-hmm. And you, it's funny because you forget that all that you hoped for was that, mm-hmm. you know, maintenance yeah. when you were just starting, mm-hmm. when it was so chaotic and like all over the place and right. all you wanted was just a normal day. Yeah. <laughs> and then you get yeah. your normal day and you're like, this is too many more normal days. What else can I do to, you know, shake this up and keep it interesting? And Mm -hmm. I think that's, you know, evolving what you have, innovating on what you have, doing Mm -hmm. different things that do bring happiness. Mm -hmm. But when I feel like that, I, I try and like take a vacation or travel. Yeah. And And you come back with a different perspective, Mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, that's, that's my practice. How, how do you, uh, manage all of this workflow and like with writing the book, but also running this company, like, are you working 12 to 14 hour days? Have you <laughs> dealt with burnout before? Like, that's a real deal oh, yeah. thing that like I've dealt with a lot in the last like year. Yeah. Um, like what, what kind of things like do you do like other than vacationing and things like mm-hmm. that to like really make sure that you don't burn out? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I have not, I've been close to burnout, but I don't think I've ever officially like experienced it. Yeah. Like once and for all. Mm-hmm. I think I, if I did, I'd probably have to quit. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I'm not saying people can't go through those periods. I just have never had it where yeah. I'm like, like true. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, but I will say, so when I was writing this book, yes, absolutely. Like, I had to run the company and then Mm -hmm. write this book and to do it right and to do it well, at least to my standards, Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure it was good. Yeah. So I created, and this is actually in my book, Mm -hmm. I created what I call beast mode schedule. Nice. I love it. Beast mode balance schedule. Yeah. And I basically laid out what an entire week would look like for me and all the things I wanted to accomplish. So if I wanted to get to the gym in the morning, I'd put that from, you know, this hour to this hour. Mm -hmm. And then I wanted to do X, Y, and Z, all the things I had to do for work. And then when my pockets were to write. And unfortunately, you have to sacrifice some things. You have to like... You know, I have not been on a vacation. I have not traveled this year at mm-hmm. all. Yeah. On, like, I couldn't. 
mm-hmm. basically. Time, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am very much looking forward to a break, but yeah. like every single time, every, every single bit of time I've taken off of work this year mm-hmm. has been to write the book. Yeah. Or to get the book edited, or to and you're work scheduling that book. into your calendar. I'm into scheduling it into my calendar. How yes. much? How many things are you are you really scheduling? Like, uh, is it your entire day scheduled out to the point that like even like either hanging out with friends or, or doing extracurricular is scheduled too? Or like yeah. How do those? Yeah, work? but yeah. I don't. I mean, that I just leave some free time for myself on Sundays, okay. literally. Yeah. But it's like four hours. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like I know that from this time to this time on Sunday, like I'm yeah, working then I'm free. and then, then I have to do call. laundry and then I have groceries. Yeah, so really it's two hours. But, <laughs> but no, you can, you can double stuff up, you know, like most of my friends are like creative, you know, entrepreneurs mm. in their own right too. So right. I go and have brunch with them on a Sunday or cocktails with them and, but we're talking business or we're talking something. And mm-hmm. so, but it's like a cathartic experience. I enjoy doing that stuff. So like, mm-hmm. maybe that's not fun for other people, but yeah. I love having conversations about, you know, entrepreneurship and business and what problems are they facing and how can we solve them together mm-hmm. and what what's going on with your next show. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I enjoy that. Yeah. So to me, uh, yeah, I just have to be really regimented. I've had to mm-hmm. be very regimented with my time. Yeah. Um, and that will probably continue until the end of the year and then maybe I'll take yeah. a break. But yeah, I've just I've had to just basically create this block schedule where I'm like, okay, I'm working and then from at night mm-hmm. I'm coming home. I'm either going to the gym or I'm making dinner or both. And mm-hmm. then I'm writing from seven to 11 and then wake up and do it all again the next day. And yeah. I, and I've done that for, yeah, yeah, this definitely this whole year. And mm-hmm. prior to the year prior to that, it was kind of, I wrote whenever I could yeah. and, you know, got pretty far, but it, it, a book is a process. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it writing is rewriting and writing again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot that goes into it that you don't really realize until yeah. you get halfway through and you're like, oh my gosh, it's <laughs> been a year. And, and I'm like, three chapters uh, yeah. in. You know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, one, one thing that I think that is a huge thing for creatives, and it's really hard to kind of break out of this uh, bubble, but to, to work, when you work solo so much, mm-hmm. It becomes really hard to delegate work, especially if it's creative work, because you want your name and your stamp on everything. Yeah. Um, but I think that that can stunt your growth. Yes. Obviously, as a creative, like if you still ran raw and it was just you, mm-hmm. or just you and a partner, you know, for almost ten years, like yeah. I'm sure you wouldn't obviously been able to scale like you have. Right. And like that can go for any type of creative, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but like me as a photographer, like trying to delegate work, I know will expand my business. I can't let go of it right now, and I, mm-hmm. I I need to do it when it feels safe and right. But right. will it ever feel safe and right? <laughs> and like, is this something that you've dealt with personally, and yeah. like you've been around, you've seen, and like, what are some things to like help push people to to be able to do that? Oh man, that is such a good slash loaded question. Yeah, no, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm no, just curious for myself because like, it's different at every phase. But I would say when we were first starting, oh yeah, I was like the micromanager from hell. Mm-hmm. Like, he, a good friend of mine slash mentor told me something kind of along the lines of what you just said. Yeah, he was like, if you try and do everything yourself, your business will only grow as big as you. Yeah, which is in your capacity to do anything yeah so yeah if you want to um 
you know, go far. There's an African proverb too that's like, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with others. Nice. Um, so I really, that really resonates with me. And mm-hmm. I think you absolutely, in order, I think, to get to that next level where mm. you feel comfortable, you're never going to feel 100% comfortable. Right. There is still aspects of our business right now that I don't feel 100%, 100% comfortable with. Uh, but, um, you know, you you have to, at some point, let the birdie fly. Mm-hmm. But I would say it's prudent for you to make sure that you are putting in uh, the right processes and the right programs and the right steps and checks and balances in order yeah. for you to do that. So if you're asking somebody to recreate this, um, you know, print and you have it this specific way and this, this, these dimensions and it has to make sure it doesn't have X, Y, and Z on it, mm-hmm. like document that. Right. That's one thing I wish I learned earlier on is like document every step of it and then check people's work. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, that's one way that you can, you know, grow and it's, you know, having employees or a team or people that you got to oversee that takes energy too, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. As soon as you get to that level of needing that and wanting to incorporate that into your business or whatever you're doing, like just prepare for that's going to take a percentage of your energy, but you're going to grow a new side of yourself that you maybe didn't see before. And it's good for others to learn from you as well. So there's that synergy there, you Mm -hmm. know, where it's positive, but or it can can be negative sometimes, but um yeah, I would say that would be my suggestion there, but you never you're never going to feel really 100% fully comfortable, but mm-hmm. there there are stop gaps you can put in there. Yeah, you know, for sure. It's help. like the same feeling as like going cuz I I came from a corporate job as well, like that band-aid to rip off to go like, all right, mm-hmm. corporate freelance, boom, yeah. in like 2 weeks tops, like Let's do it. So, like, I feel like the Band-Aid can be very similar in that sense, Mm -hmm. you know, because there's not a lot of Band-Aid rips once you make that big freelance one. Yeah. But there should be. Like, there should be, like, you know, like, delegating work when you get to a comfortable spot and things like that. But, like, yeah, I totally understand, like, that spot. Like, it's not, you're not going to wake up one day and be like, all right, now I can, like, (laughs) hire three people and everything's going to be smooth. But, like, on the other end, you know, working with, 65 people yeah. around 65 underneath you or like with you um, has, does it, does it get really difficult in those, in those stages when you're, you're managing dealing with a lot of people or, or, you know, like what, what kind of things have been maybe hard, but maybe also like help oil the machine and like run, mm-hmm. run it in like a, you know. Yeah, it takes time. So you have to have a great management team. Yeah. And we do. We have a handful of managers that oversee different departments of the company. That's the only way we're able to do that, mm-hmm. right? Is handing off the baton or pieces of the baton to many different people. Right. And kind of overseeing them. And yeah, the, the problems continually evolve. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when we were starting, there are much different problems. When we we're in the middle, I mean, not to say that there's if the, there can't be a middle without an end, right? Yeah. So we're not we're not ending. But um, (laughs) when you're when you're in, I will say, level two, level three Mm -hmm. of your company, there's different problems when, you know, we're 10 years in and we don't have the same struggles that we did when we were first starting. We Mm -hmm. have a whole new 
whole new gamut right. of, of issues. And yeah, some of them come from, you know, having a large body of people and you have, you know, lots of different personalities and mm-hmm. you have lots of people that have different motivations for wanting to do different things. Mm-hmm. And lar- in large part, we work with creatives themselves. Like yeah. we are for artists by artists. So right. all of our people in our office, which I absolutely love, have their own creative projects going on as well. Yeah, that's cool. So... <laughs> Yeah, so I feel like we're just this big meshed melting pot of a lot of things and emotions. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, things um, managing that many people is difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also awesome in a lot of ways. And they have tons of ideas. Like we come up with, we just started doing SWAT SWAT meetings on a regular basis, mm-hmm. which is strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And okay. we meet with every department and we get ideas from them and we implement them into the core of our culture and what we're doing and for our artists. So Mm -hmm. that's really fun. Um, But yeah, I would say there is definitely a whole nother set of problems at every level that you grow to. Yeah. 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 That's just going to come up. Yeah. What what kind of things, um, you know, are you excited for, for raw in particular in like the next you know year like mm-hmm. the because i know you guys are international now so yeah. like you're really all over the world yeah um do you plan on expanding on that like what what are some of these next you know next steps yeah. for, for you guys my goal is uh, i think this next year in 2020 we're going to be focused a lot on arts education mm-hmm. we're going to be focused on trying to give creative entrepreneurs more business advice and more business educational tools to kind of take their careers to the next level right um so that's kind of a very attainable short-term goal for us mm-hmm. and then Long term, um, yeah, we'd like to, well, there's two initiatives really. I'd like to um, grow to more countries. I would love to be in Europe and I'd love to be in South America. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were in London, in the UK for a little bit, um, but we haven't been able to find a suitable person to really like take charge there. So Mm -hmm. I want to reopen that. Um, And then... Yeah, so I want to grow more internationally. And then we also have an agency arm of our organization called Found Agency. And Found is basically we specialize in brokering opportunities, paid opportunities for artists that are within our raw network. Mm -hmm. So I want to take um, that to the next level as well and really bolster that program. Right now, we are doing gigs primarily in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done gigs, like, we basically, we hire artists to paint murals or if somebody right. needs, um, you know, hair and makeup for a photo shoot, mm-hmm. people, clients organically come to us yeah. and ask because we have such a large network. We have almost 200,000 artists in our network. Yeah, huge. Yeah, so they, they write us and they're like, I need an artist to do this. Mm-hmm. And as we... When we launched this, it kind of organically came about because people were writing us to give artists opportunities, and then we'd connect them with the artist that we thought would be a good fit, and then we'd watch it kind of just die out. Yeah. So we're like, okay, we need to be involved, we need to help, you mm-hmm. know? And so far, that's been great. So I want to continue to grow Found Agency. I want to uh, continue to exist on other continents. 
Um, right now we're in Mexico, Australia, in Canada. I'd like to, like I said, mm-hmm. be in South America and Europe and yeah. maybe even Cape Town. We've talked yeah. about that before, but it's all a ton of work. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and it takes yeah. a long time. And well, you're doing it. The right you guys people. are totally doing it and you're killing it. <laughs> That's awesome. You. And so, so the book comes out. Yes. It goes on presale August 1st. Yes. Um, it will be shipping mid-September, mm-hmm. and people can go to the rawartist.org website and click on shop. It will be on Amazon and barnesnoble.com and a bunch of other places, and then um, the, or they can go to my website, which is mm-hmm. Heidi, H-E-I-D-I, mm-hmm. Luera, L-U-E-R-R-A.com. Perfect. And then uh, Instagram, any other things that... Oh, that yeah. we can actually find you on that you use. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I guess I'll send everyone to Work of Art Book uh, on Instagram. Cool. That's my, that's my handle. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you so much. It was my pleasure. So I appreciate great you. To you. That'll do it, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out and checking out that episode with Heidi. If you want to know more information on Raw Artists, you can go to rawartist.org and see if and when there is an event near you. Um, if you want to check out the book, you can also uh, actually go to our show notes and we're going to link up the uh, the exact link to get to the book. Um, so yeah, you can do that through iTunes or Spotify. Can you do that on Spotify? I should know this. I should really, really know this. Um, and then on, on, the, on the website, show notes too. Um, all right, you guys, thank you so much. You can find us at Darkroom on Instagram. You can find me at Dane Diener. You can find Heidi at Heidi Luera, L-U-E-R-R-A on Instagram as well. And Raw Artist is R-A-W-A-R-T-I-S-T-S, Raw Artist. That's how you spell the, the word together. Um, but you knew that. So that's great. Uh, All right, you guys, I appreciate you. Thank you very much, and we will see you guys next week.